And the ultimate impact is that 75% of high school students are not proficient in high school mathematics. And this is happening in a world where more and more children want to go into STEM majors because that's where the money is going. But more than that, where business is now so data-driven that statistics is a concern and students are leaving now the business majors to go to humanities where there is no math. So the math anxiety is high. And I mean, the impact is a lifetime earnings that's much less than what you thought you were going to get going into college. And uh, on top of that, the psychological damage of having tried something and not succeeded. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, it's Ariel Anderson, and today we're talking to Aditya Nagra of Elephant Learning. Now, if you're anything like me, you love math, but if you don't, or if your kids are struggling, or maybe you did too, this is the perfect podcast because uh, Aditya is talking about how his app and company, they're, what they're doing to support the reality that not everybody is thriving in math and having a, a tutor in your pocket, an app, something that makes math fun and enjoyable and helps your kids to excel is the ultimate find, right? So for the price of less than one tutor hour per week, for sure, uh, you've got a good month of support for all ages that grows with your kids and according to whatever level they are. And these days that's important. And as we're seeing that kids are shying away from math, uh, what are some of the solutions? And this is one of them. So I'm pretty excited. I'm going to be putting some links down in the description to um, have you help you come and play around. You can hear my daughter in the background with, uh, you know, what we've been talking about and you'll get a, look behind the scenes as to, you know, who and what is behind Elephant Learning. So that's what this week is about. And I'm always thankful that you're out there. You're in this circle with us, this IP community, this imperfect parenting community. And uh, each day, each week is new and there are bumps ahead and behind us. And I hope for you that you allow yourself a bit of grace and uh, peace where you can find it and cancel when you need to reschedule when you must to make that open space for your family for yourself as we're headed towards uh, the last months of freedom before school really launches for Ella I, I feel it more and more that importance of gratitude and so I hope you're finding it in whatever ways you can because I definitely see that even the haves and the haves not have, have not I'm not saying that right. You know what I'm trying to say. The the full spectrum of all kinds of parents that we have been interacting with and coaching and listening to and who we're friends with, we are seeing that uh, no matter who you are, there's a whole new set of problems and challenges and it's really ultimately about how you face and move through them and you know, whether you were talking about math like today 
or uh, relationship and connection and being present for our kids and still, you know, working and getting things done. It's always a new web of things, uh, a different version in each household. But everybody, regardless of what we think or we think we know, is going through something. So take a deep breath and an exhale the next time you have interaction with somebody that you may have an assumption about and or look and the grass looks greener know that you don't know the whole story there is both beauty joy and frustration in every place so here we go launching into a conversation with Aditya Nagra of Elephant Learning and uh, here we go Welcome, Aditya, to Imperfect Parenting Podcast. We're here in Northern California where it's raining and uh, sort of semi-winter and um, excited to hear about you and elephant learning. Uh, where are you today? I'm in Denver. Okay. It is 66 degrees and it was sunny. Now it's cloudy. <laughs> Might snow tonight. Oh, nice. We, we have to, we're just looking up to the mountains, hoping for a little bit of snow. I, I like snow in winter. We just moved from Prague, so uh, missing winter, winter <laughs> seasons. I know um, what you mean. Uh, so I would love to just jump right in and, and start by actually what, uh, what brought you to today, just a little bit about who you are and, and what inspired elephant learning in the first place. Uh, I know when I jumped on the apps, I saw two different things. I'm not sure if they're both you, actually. One of them was for sure you, and another one was uh, uh, was a little bit different. So I'm just curious what the journey has been and, yeah, what, sure. what we need to know. Well, we started Elephant Learning to empower children with mathematics. And actually, I was coming off my first business, and I had just taken all of this stuff on, uh, uh, well, I mean, read books and et cetera, <laughs> you didn't take a course or anything, but like we had just read all these books and, uh, and, uh, I was looking for something that would be a little bit different. Uh, meaning that <clears throat> in the groups that I was in at the time, uh, there was these companies that were triple bottom line companies. And, um, I just thought that that would be interesting. So the triple bottom line company, has an environmental impact that's measurable and a uh, social impact that's measurable. So we didn't make that. We got a double bottom line, but um, we've got a measurable impact uh, on how much math we teach. So that was a, a real focus when we started this thing. And, uh, and then after that, like, can we build an organization that can sustain through time? So the mission is to, uh, the mission is, sorry, the vision is to change the way that the world teaches mathematics. The mission is to empower children with mathematics. So the goal is, can I empower enough children with mathematics that people turn their head and say, why aren't we doing what they're doing? So that's, that's what we started with. And it, and it all came from, uh, I guess, a conversation that I had one of my ex-professors um, where, you know, he was looking for a company to pair with to start a national or to apply for a national science uh, foundation grant. And um, we never ended up getting the grant, but uh, basically what he told me on that day was that four out of five students start kindergarten unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum. And that was shocking to me because I was like, how, 
how could that even be, right? And what he explained to me was that kindergarten um, starts at uh, the teens. So they expect the student to understand how to count to 10, which means give me 10 things and the students can slide over 10 things and stop on 10. And the gap is, is that even me at the time thought counting to 10 was just saying the numbers one through 10. So um, uh, the impact of this is that the student doesn't understand the teacher through kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. They're able to memorize the procedures. They're able to memorize the processes. They, they don't really understand why these things are necessarily happening underneath the scenes. And this is happening at the rate of about 80% is what the research says. Typically, I would quote you the research that he quoted me, but tell the story this time, this way and see how it goes. <laughs> we like the story. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the ultimate impact is that 75% of high school students are not proficient at high school mathematics. And this is happening in a world where more and more children want to go into STEM majors because that's where the money is going. Um, but more than that, where business is now so data-driven that statistics is a concern and students are leaving now the business majors to go to humanities where there is no math. So the math anxiety is high. Um, and um, I mean, the impact is a lifetime earnings that's much less than what you thought you were going to get going into college. And uh, on top of that, the psychological damage of having tried something and not succeeded. So uh, I basically said, well, you know what? I might not be able to sell this to schools, but I think I can sell this to parents. And, um, and, and we set out on that day to, to build a system that was the most effective way to teach mathematics. And when we were done uh, and we measured the results, children were learning on average a year and a half of math over the course of 10 weeks. And they were using the system less than 20 or less than 30 minutes per week, over 20, but less than 30. And so I just said, well, I bet you we can guarantee now that children will learn a year of math in three months using the system 30 minutes per week. And that's what we went out with. And that's what we've been doing. We've had over 100,000 students come through our system. Um, we keep obviously uh, advancing it. So like we've just added videos for the subjects. We've just added, um, we're adding algebra very, very soon. We have an algebra curriculum, but we're gonna go back and redo it with video now that we have video capability which we didn't have earlier on. And I mean, really the, the goal has been, can I get it to you quickly first, right? So that I can empower your child now. And then second, can I get it to you good? So now I'm going to go back and make it good. Um, but it's already pretty good. Children are coming out and they're, uh, we're getting students who, we basically focus on the most common misconceptions that we see in students, even at a university level. So like I was a TA over at the University of Denver for eight years while I was getting my PhD in mathematics. And it, it becomes very clear when they come in for help that they actually have problems with algebra. But when you're at the university level and you're teaching calculus and you look at algebra in your brain, you think, oh, well, this is like three or four years back. But it turns out that if I just give you, if I just fill those gaps in understanding, now you can understand me even at the calculus level, even though it's been four or five years worth of math in between. Fantastic. I mean, I have to say, uh, I was lucky enough that I loved math growing up. So, but I remember um, kids who were struggling and how, how quickly they just sort of give up on even trying because if you didn't, and, and that a teacher mattered. So you could have a, 
kid that even liked math, but the teacher, they didn't respond to him. And there was no other option. You either hoped that the family had enough money for a tutor that, you know, could be what yours is per month per session, you know, and then a lot of kids were left behind. And, and even myself, thankfully, I loved it. So I didn't get too uh, discouraged, though. I remember at one point, they strangely and not thinking very clearly <laughs> had me skip algebra, which was the basis for all the other classes I took in high school, like pre-calculus and all that was, uh, you know, not pre-calc so much, but like, um, you know, even geometry, you've got the theorems and all these things. So I'm glad that you're adding that on as well, because it's, uh, I remember just those basics are so important. And that visual that you're bringing in is, is also really essential without that. It's, it's, uh, it just gets so much better. You know, you're going to get it in there deeper and, uh, and you're giving kids a chance to learn their own way and at their own pace as well. They can play around with it and that they want to, I love that on your website where, uh, you know, you could are talking about, uh, the kids wanting, I think that's, it's like anything, if you're having a hard time with it, you know, you see people, I'm going to use drug programs as an example, but anything where you're kind of pushed to do it, you don't necessarily have success. It's the same thing, even with math. It's like, if someone takes you to a tutor or they take you, you know, they're not, they're like, they have to do it. But when they get excited about it and want to learn, it just opens that door up so much more. So I love that. And I love that you're thinking ahead as well to their future, you know, because uh, math is in everything. I teach that to my four and a half year old all the time. She, she, I don't try to overteach, but it's more, you know, we use it for cooking. We use it for measuring. We use it for our minds are constantly doing math without us even realizing it. So we can't leave that out of, you know, creative and you know daily learning so that's uh um what do you think inside of what you've been creating like how do you feel the difference as you're evolving it how are you feeling the difference as far as the experience with the for the kids you know versus like not to say beta but your first round or first couple rounds and how it's evolving how how would i notice the difference (laughs) Well, so we've evolved the characters, like we keep adding more, we keep adding for different ages now, because like as we expand into older students, they want more characters, we're actually going to redesign the complete algebra experience. So rather than coming in and choosing from characters, you're going to choose from the open topics. Uh, so you get close the you get to choose kind of like where you focus, right? Because like, um, as we're as we're getting into uh, stuff where it's video, now I want you to focus because if I'm going to talk to you for two minutes, I'm not going to show you something else random, which is what we do for the younger students. Um, but like uh, we've upgraded the voices. So like early on, we were just using the voice that was happening on the device. So if you're on iOS, you had a really good experience. If you're on Android, not so much. I don't know why, but um, the onboard voices on Android were, were, were much more robotic. And so um, uh, we, we, we got like a Amazon and Google, like their, their latest speech to text APIs to try to generate all this stuff. We've got like literally millions and millions and millions of variations of the way things can be said. So like, uh, wow. it's not something that we wanted to hand to humans. Uh, I don't think we'll probably ever hand to humans given, <laughs> given what I just told you. <laughs> well, uh, it's great that you're gamifying it. And yeah. because that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of coaching with adults and all my coaches are always talking about the same thing. It's not only kids, but there's something in our brains that there's something about gamifying it or creating a streak or just the, the things that you're doing where you're allowing them to, um, to customize it. 
is super essential too, because if there's just, if someone responds, if has a certain reaction to male or female voices or, you know, more open response, then you're, you're also, op again, opening another door to learning because some people learn better with one voice than another, you know, not just the right. characters. When, know? you know, what we do is we randomize the voice between the questions so that it feels oh. like a different person's coming and asking you the next question. Okay. It keeps your attention a little bit, but really, again, the goal was, was like in a session, if they just spent 10 minutes, if they just did this two or three times a day, cause like, you know, what the research showed was that children actually thought math was fun. If it was done at their level, it's like Sudoku, right? So people find Sudoku fun. And th that's really the thing is that like, um, if it's not way beyond their level of understanding to where like they're piling on top of something else they don't understand, right? So like the reason why algebra becomes the breaking point is because now you're, you're creating variables in a situation where you memorize multiplication tables. So what does seven times X mean to a third grader who didn't know what multiplication was and just memorized the tables? So like, uh, you know, there's just so many different things going on in our system that helps the child come back up. But then also what we're giving to you, the parent is amazing because what we did was we took the teacher trainings that they were teaching at a college level to teachers on how to teach these subjects conceptually. And I just basically said the language in plain everyday language. I mean, like we don't need to use fancy words to get the same idea across and the thing is, is now it's understandable for everyone. So if you read the, the, video, uh, the text or, or you look at the videos, that's actually very, very helpful. But on top of that, we give the parent advice on how to take learning outside of the system through games, right? So then it goes back to having fun. So like, for example, if you're working on proficiency with multiplication uh, or addition, for example, addition is good because you can use uh, 21 blackjack. But like you can use war with the with the flashcards, for example. So if you want to do multiplications, high card wins, right? Flip them over. You have to multiply to play. And like so like if you want speed, you can do it that way. But if you want understanding, we could we could give you something like uh, cooking or measuring or like projects and stuff. So the the wealth of knowledge that we've put into it and it's all happening at the students level, which is the key. Right. Because like here's the thing is if you're guessing. And you say, well, I think we could do this cooking thing, right? But you've already got a math anxious child who's not understanding what's going on. Well, this cooking thing's a recipe for a blow up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What, what would be one of the most important things? Uh, I mean, I know that you have an assessment inside there, which is such a great bonus. Uh, and what other advice would you give to parents who are looking to you know, really use the wealth of, of this um, program that you've created here. I, I think especially now, because you've got parents as the teachers at home these days, some are doing home education and some are doing home education via Zoom with their own teachers. But you've got such a bizarre, unusual combination that we don't know how it's going to change in the future. And it seems that your, this, you know, elephant learning could be such an important key piece inside of that right now, especially to give parents who are a bit overloaded a way to work with things in a way that makes more sense. I mean, look, I, I just, I, I hope everyone could come in and use the system. And then on top of that, right now, because of COVID, we got scholarships for everyone. I mean, the, the thing is, is that like, there really is nothing else out there like what we're doing, because we built it very specifically to solve this problem to make it so that you can understand the teacher at the classroom level, 
or even the parent, right? So like if you're doing home education and there's struggle, it might look like frustration. It might look like tears at math time. It might look like math avoidance, right? All of these things come from that, from that gap of understanding, which is actually what we fill in. So we're filling in the concrete representations of what's happening underneath what's happening on the paper so that when they see it on the paper, now it's not so scary, right? And that's really the whole thing is like, if you understand it, math is not that bad. And it's not beyond any of these students. Cause like, sometimes you might find some people that are like, well, you know, it, it's something that is genetic maybe, but like, here's the thing is that like, I, I had a, I had a guy who was helping me uh, with my yard once and like, he couldn't read. We drove down to the dump and like, I said, you got to turn right on Dartmouth. And then I got back on my phone and we, we drove past it. And I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, I can't read. And I keep forgetting that. Right. So I was like, Oh man, shit. Right? Like we go back. Um, but like, uh, if you give him the wrong number of twenties, he knows. So like he understands multiplication, but he didn't understand it at a time when it could have made a difference in his life. And that's really the story here. Cause like everyone uses these tools, these mental tools. That's how I like to think about them. Everyone's using these mental tools. It's just, can you understand what they are and how to use them in the time? And it's not even about how you do it. So the number one tip, the one, the number one thing, if I could get across to a parent is like, we want to try to go and help our child, but the way we try to go and help our child is with, well, here's how you do it. Right. But the problem with that is that like, you may not get understanding from that method. Sometimes you might, sometimes you might not. Sometimes it works, sometimes it does not. And you're going to have to constantly kind of test it. But the problem is, is once you've given the student a mnemonic to solve the problem, now you don't know if they're solving it because they're using the mnemonic uh, that you gave them or if they're solving it because they understood. And so like, it just kind of, kind of masks the problem again until they get to algebra. So yeah, I mean, it, what we tell parents to do is the why method. And so what the why method is, is when you go in to help, you, you go ahead and let them answer on their own and you try to poker face. You don't want to tip away anything because they might be looking at you. And, um, and then you ask, well, why do you think that's the right answer? Or how did you come to that? Right? Like, it's really, why do you think that's the right answer? But like, if they get scared with why you have to ask it as a how question. Uh, but like, when they tell you the why, you're going to understand what they don't understand. And you're going to be able to now either define it for them or give them a, a hint. A hint's preferable because when they solve it on their own, they've actually lifted that weight, so to speak, right? So they, they've, they've exhibited the concept and now it's just labeling it, right? So they've added, well, that's addition, right? <laughs> or you multiply, well, that's multiplication. So that's really the hard part about math is it's, from a language perspective, it's kind of like the colors. You have to be able to show the student what it is. You'd have to be able to like show them the color red, like, oh, this is a red truck. This is a red uh, ball. This is a red whatever, right? And, and it, but like for math, it's not a color. It's not even something they can visually see. It's something that they have to kind of figure out in their head. It's a problem they have to solve that you then label with, well, that's addition. Right. And it, so like, if we can switch it to that and the way you do that is this why method, if we can switch it to that, I'll be honest with you. Uh, our children will just be so much more grateful and uh, happy in math.
Well, I'm so glad that you talked about that, that piece, because I think that uh, a lot of parents get trapped in thinking there's only one way to teach and learn. And uh, thank you. That's one of the things that we're constantly trying to work with here on the podcast is just opening up people's minds to, you know, ways that can really build confidence and allow our children to really learn and take things in. So thank you. And I'm wondering, do you think inside of that, that it works even when the parents absolutely have no clue as to the process themselves? Like some people are very not at all, (laughs) they're they're not at all math oriented. If they were to get in like the upper levels and they didn't know, or what, uh, do you think they could still work with this method or some version of it to help encourage their kids? Yeah, absolutely. And they do. And actually we, we have people on call. So we have a phone number that's available and, and through email and through chat and through Facebook direct message. And, you know, like however you try to get a hold of us, we're typically there. Um, but like, yeah, if, if a parent uh, is either having anxiety around it or, um, or, or, or doesn't know how to do it or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, I mean, really it just boils down to like, we're here to help. Right. So if you contact us, we're even happy to just get on the phone with the student if that's what's necessary. But to be honest with you, most of the time um, we can get on a phone on the phone call with the parent. We can basically walk them through it and they overcome their anxiety. So like I was on the phone once with this, uh, this nice lady from UK uh, it was on the 4th of July this year. I can't forget this because it's the 4th of July over there, right? <laughs> no, um, it's not. <laughs> Bastille days around that time, but not, not in the UK. Uh, so, but anyway, like uh, they got an algebra question that was using the logical operators. So we actually teach uh, children around multiplication, the logical operators and or not. And so like, um, so we use it in algebra uh, to actually make uh, questions uh, less guessable. So uh, like, for example, we have eight true or false statements, but they contain ands and ors and nots, for example. So in this particular question, there was a does not equal eight. So it's the equal sign with the line through it. And uh, maybe she had seen it, maybe she hadn't seen it. She definitely forgot what it was. She's like, I don't know what that is. It just says, just does not equal, right? And so, and so she said, does not equal. So I said, well, you just calculated one side is 11. The other side is 12. So 11 does not equal 12. And she goes, right. 11 does not equal 12. And I'm like, so that's all it is, is 11, right? (laughs) And that's what it is. It's just the language, right? Like these symbols that we put on the piece of paper, like we make it so that we think that like, oh, well, you're super smart. If you understand what that means, that's crazy. It's a definition for God's sake. Right. And that's, that's what it is at the end of the day is we're giving you the definitions and we're treating it maturely. Like you, you, like you're an adult, like the child is an adult and we just make sure that they understand what's happening underneath before we do that. Oh, you're, you think, oh, that's great. I, you, you're really reminding me actually, I was break from coaching for a bit and went into, I was in Prague and national school. And I remember a moment there was a student who really acting out in the class the teacher was like I I just need to let you know this is a problem child and as a sub I get to come in and not think that way so I was like let's just really see what's going on here and I actually figured out midway through the day it was all about math she was Swedish she didn't understand the language and the symbols that were being used to explain the same thing that she had learned in a different way uh where you know in Sweden 
And that was the whole issue in school was that she was so frustrated that I love you, baby, but <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> it's my four-year-old or four and yeah. a half year old. Uh, yeah. And she, she was just so frustrated with the fact that she didn't understand the, you know, uh, American school, you know, version of how to explain how to do this, you know, fifth grade math, that she was frustrated. She'd been so good at that and felt so good about it normally in, you know, in her old life. And then here she didn't even understand what's being said. So I love that how you're the idea that you you're there and, and you've created it as well in such a, a gamifying way. I'm wondering if you think that um, it would come through to people who are kind of not a hundred percent with English. Do you think that some of this is visual enough in the way that you've gamified it, that they might, there might be a chance until you're of course translated in every language in the world. Uh, do you think that there's someday maybe, do you think that it would get through? That would be a good, good tool for somebody like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. We we've actually had uh, some trials that we ran with nonprofits. So we have a nonprofit that's kind of working with other nonprofits sort of story. Um, and we had, I think, 30 kids in a after school program. And I believe they were all refugee children. So they were all from varied backgrounds. And a lot of these children might have tested at a four or five or six year old level, uh, which and then they immediately caught up. So it's like you could see the graph kind of shoot up. So either they made a mistake or maybe they were struggling with the language, but they understood it. Right. So they just had to figure out the numbers. But like within three or four days, they got it and then you could find their actual level. So it was like around six or seven. They, it would get, gain traction, and slow down. And so then from there, they, they learned back up to their age. So they, they ended up at the nine-year-old level, which is about how old they were, which meant that they could walk into the classroom. I think they were in third grade and now understand the teacher at multiplication. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen this work with students from all sorts of varied backgrounds. On our website, we have parents who say that their child has dyscalculia or ADHD or um, dyslexia or... Uh, autism or right. All children learn language. I think one person tried to take me on, on this on Facebook. And I just said, look, Helen Keller learned language. If Helen Keller can do it, then it's just a matter of getting some help for your child, right? Like it's just, how can we connect with them lingually on a level that they can connect with us? And I think it's 100% possible. I don't think that there's anything that we're doing that is innate. Mm. That's transformative. I mean, honestly, because it's opening something up that sometimes that might not otherwise be available just in that you've, you are coming at math from so many different angles that it's opening that possibility because I've, well, I mean, anybody who's known anybody from another country, I mean, we're in, we're in a melting pot in the U S if you've traveled, you've seen it, you see how barriers can totally change somebody's life, you know, uh, and opening that up makes such a difference so that more people can, you know, see where their gifts are or just explore in other directions they might not have otherwise have been able to according to whatever reality they have. So um, that's really exciting. And I love, I love that you, you tested it out with, um, you know, with that NGO. That's, that's kind of, that's pretty cool. I, <laughs> I love hearing about things like that. It just makes my mind ripple open and imagining the possibilities of the world. Um, you know, and how things can, you start on one direction and you never know how it's going to ripple out. So what's your big vision? If you could, uh, you know, not to be cliche and say, look 10 years ahead, but let's just say big vision in general, what would you ideally love for elephant learning to, you know, 
evolve into or continue to evolve into? If you were to yeah, look no, back I mean, at this time and be like, wow, look where we are. <laughs> right. So like the 10-year the ten year vision was to change the way the world teaches mathematics. And mm. the way we do that is every day we come in and we figure out how do we empower children with mathematics today? Sometimes that means like, how do we get more people into the system? Sometimes that means how do we expand the curriculum? Sometimes that means how do we uh, take this customer feedback and resolve their issue without necessarily opening up some other problem, right? Because like, for example, a lot of people might say, well, why don't you uh, do this or that? Or why don't you like uh, make it like more gamey, right? So like, it's more like a game with math sprinkled in. Uh, look, the reason why we don't do that is because research says that if you do activity A in order to do activity B, then activity A becomes work. That might look like, um, you know, I'll let you watch TV if you, if you take out the trash. Now taking out the trash is work. So, I mean, that's going to turn into work anyway, but we don't want to turn math into work. We want to keep math fun. So the math is the reward. When you solve the puzzle, you get a quick animation and that's what it is. It's exactly like Angry Birds. That's what Angry Birds is. You solve the puzzle, you get the, you get the hit, the dopamine hit from solving the puzzle. And that's the reward, right? So like, uh, why try to make it more complicated? The, the child has to get into this. And what we do to try to facilitate these students that have been burned by math is we start well behind their level. And if it's not starting well behind their level, set them back, right? We start behind their level and we catch up to them very quickly. Within 30 minutes, the placement exam finds their level. But then this way, they're experiencing success coming into the system and they're gaining confidence. Wow, I love that. I love that. Rather than like throwing them into the pool and seeing how they do. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. I love and if that you got a student that's ahead, so you can always... If you got a student that's ahead, you can always set them ahead in the placement exam too, so that they're they're not in it for such a long time if that's what you want. But to be honest with you, it, to the student, there's zero transition between placement exam and learning, so they they won't even notice the transition. We didn't even want them to feel like they were being tested. Oh wow, really? Yeah, the games just move so like it just finds their level and then it starts building right there. Oh, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. Because that's, I mean, a lot of people, that's where they fail is sort of that feeling of test taking or being examined or watched. And then they just, the smartest kids can just take a nosedive. So that's fantastic that you've integrated it like that. And then the best um, part is, is we then send you the parent a report by email. It's a PDF. You can print it. You can hand it to the teacher. It tells you which questions the student answered incorrectly. It tells you some of the questions they did answer correctly that would show that, okay, so they got this level of proficiency here, but they don't have this proficiency here and which subjects they dropped into because of that and how we calculated that starting elephant age based on that. Nice. And I love the idea where you're talking about how people can be at different levels because I, I noticed as a teacher teaching age three to 19, one of the biggest challenges wasn't because they were, I didn't believe really that there were bad kids. It was really, they were often bored kids. So you'd have a kid who, for whatever reason, wasn't allowed to go as high as they needed to in math, for example, and they were bored out of their minds. So then they would just be messing around and distracting other people who were at a different level than they were. So I love the idea that they could as well, maybe their school does or doesn't offer that opportunity to go at a higher level, but they could at least have it at home with you guys and then kind of keep that brain sort of expanding if they're excited about it. 
we, we literally keep them challenged. That's the whole goal. So we keep moving the level up as we see that they understand and we move it back down as we see that they maybe forgot or whatever. Right. So like, we're always hanging right with the student and their level, but like the wonderful part is, is that, yeah, like if you've got a child that you want to be challenged at their level and they they appear to be ahead, our system can do that. We've got second graders that are doing percentages, fractions, and decimals. We've got four-year-olds that have gotten to division or even beginning fractions to starting to understand fractions. These concepts are not beyond these students. You know, like there's this idea in psychology about uh, developmentally appropriate. And so like, there's this idea that these items are not developmentally appropriate. And the thing is, is that the early education research in mathematics shows that children as young as four exhibit in play concepts as advanced as division. So it's not beyond these students. It's just that the psychologists are looking at the same data that the education people are looking at. And they're saying, well, it's just not possible. Their brain just didn't develop enough. I'm telling you, it's not true. Over and over and over again, we have young children getting even as far as algebra, if that's what you want. Yeah. And I think, I mean, look, every Every family has its own set of values around things like that. Some people say, oh, kids should be creative to this point and this and that. I think it ultimately comes down to the, the family. And, you know, of course, I'm going to push my own parenting values because it's my show. I can do that. No, but uh, the, the idea that I love the idea that, you know, instead of limiting and saying kids shouldn't, I, I, I never read boxes. Like we have all these geometric, you know, sort of geometry. Um, uh, oh, my gosh, my brain just took a moment, but you know, different shapes where you connect the, the magnetic things and they can build things. And it said for the ones that we got said they were for eight-year-olds. I gave it to my daughter at 10 months old. She loved them, but she was interested in them. I, I think when I, when I hear the lines that the psychologists say, I hear the people whose kids are not interested, really, really don't want to explore that. And they're really pushing them hard at age three. Yeah, That's what I think, think sometimes, you know, you pay attention to the lines, but I think if kids are exploring and they're interested, like my daughter loves math and she loves letters and she's constantly, my mom is like, no, I don't want to give her too much information. She's too young. I'm like, but she wants it. So why would you say no to learning more if somebody's interested? And then, you know. Yeah. I don't even think that's kids that are not interested. I think uh, this is, this is what I give it to for adults so that they can understand what I'm talking about. But like, if you walked yes. into like a third year uh, course on, I don't know, epistemology, philosophy of knowledge, for example, right? <laughs> Me or you would not understand anything that they're talking about because they've built up three years of jargon, right? Jargon that builds on top of jargon that builds on top of jargon. The same thing happens in mathematics, but the problem is, is that it's so fundamental. We call it vocabulary instead of jargon. You know what I mean? And so like, the problem is, is that they are interested. It's just they, they have to be engaged at the level that they understand. And if they're engaged at the level that they understand, they will be interested. And there are techniques to overcome math anxiety. And, and the most important is um, to not give into it, right? To not, um, there's, there's this idea that we should lower the bar, the standard to try to meet the child so that we can own their emotions, right? But from a coaching perspective, that's, that doesn't work, right? Like the hoop has to be the same height. So like there's this meme that I saw go around where it's like the basketball hoop is, I don't even know how high, but it's that tall in high school. It's that tall on the 
uh, in the playground. It's that tall in the college level. It's that tall in the NBA level, right? Like they do not lower the hoop. Well, we kind of lower the hoop when they're younger, right? But like the whole thing <laughs> is, is that like we got we to gotta keep the hoop right where it is, right? So like you can't say that the student knows how to add if they don't know how to add because then they just get passed along to multiplication, they are going to have an impossible time understanding multiplication because they didn't understand what addition is. So like repetitive addition really is like, okay, whatever. Right. And, and so like, I mean, this is sort of the thing is that like you can challenge the student at their level and you can keep moving the hoop so that like they're achieving. And, and our system is proof of that because I mean, again, we've had over a hundred thousand students come through We've taught over 120,000 years of mathematics at this point. We measure our success by that number. We put that on every uh, executive team meeting, every uh, marketing team meeting, every product development team meeting. It's, it's the main scorecard. How much math have we taught? And then here are the lead up. Like, how do we do it? You guys put out bug fixes. You guys put out content for Facebook. You guys, right? So builds up. <laughs> well, I also like the idea that you are helping kids to keep continuity because uh you know just what you were talking about the language and you know I, I remember if you missed certain math classes or language classes you know you'd be behind you had to catch up and then you just were misaligned for the rest of the semester I can remember moments like that uh and and the other thing being summer when you'd have a couple months off or a holiday and you'd just could not remember really where you were and they would do a little review, but it sometimes wasn't really enough to fully jump back in. And the idea that they could have that continuity. Thank you. That, that Thank continuity you. through, it's okay. Through the, uh, through gap times, you know, whatever that is. And, you know, even the, the possibility of being able to travel, which some people do and this and that, I'd love that. You know, I'd love that for all areas of education, but I think math is one of those. It's a, it's a kind of language that you have to, not use it or lose it, but to keep it going, to keep it alive in your brain. And I'm, you're going to be an I, essential I think it part just of that. Naturally you are stays alive. Yeah. I think it just yeah. naturally stays alive because, you know, and this is the thing, this is what some of the parents write in their testimonials is that as the students are picking up those ideas, they're seeing them at play in the world around them. They say, it's amazing because the student is talking about it at dinner time, Right. And so it's like, these, these are ideas that are so fundamental that they're happening all around us, whether you are aware of it or not. And that's really the thing is like when the student asks, when are we ever going to use this? Well, the teacher's on the spot and they can't think of it. But the problem is, is that like we're using it so often that we don't even realize we're using it. I think you said that earlier. And it's really the problem. Yes. It, it flashes me on and granted it's Hollywood, but there was a, uh, you know, this show touch about, this autistic boy, but the, he sees all the connections all the time. Like you see this sort of ripple effect around the world of like one thing ripples and connects to another, to another. He'd see numbers and he connected it with all these things. And it was a little Hollywoodized, but I, I always love the idea of that. Like if, if only people, we all could open ourselves to see more of the connection of how things fit in with each other, it would stick more. Like you're talking about with math, you know, when kids get how it fits into the daily life, um, you know, it sticks more and more. So it's, and sounds like you've created something to help with that, which is pretty essential these days. <laughs> and, and I mean, ultimately a lot of parents want to get their children into STEM. So those STEM toys that you're buying them, 
they become useful as the student has more mathematics. I mean, science is based on top of mathematics. It's statistics. It's, uh, I mean, ultimately it's machine. It should be machine learning, but it's not, but you know, statistics. <laughs> uh, what was the biggest challenge or continues to be? What, what's been a challenge along this path that you've had with elephant learning? Anything you're willing to share? <laughs> The biggest as far as the process and, and creating and because creating is also we have we I always love to include even though this is slightly feels off topic maybe but it, it, it's important also I, because you've created something you put it out in the world and that's one of the things for the parent side of you know our audience that has a, a dream and a vision and the way that you you know you guys and your team have and yourself have put together and how bringing it all the way into reality and then continuing forward, as you say, moving past failure and, and uh, <laughs> learning from, from each step, what would be some things that some challenge and some bumps that you, you've moved past and what, what was, you told us already what your big why is, is that what motivated you or how did you get past the hiccups in the beginning? Well, I mean, there's, there's, it's just a constant, I don't want to say it's a struggle, because I don't want to create that. Um, but there's always a new problem to solve, right? So when you're saying like, well, what was the biggest one that you had to overcome? And it's just like, well, there was the initial sales bump that I mean, that was a pretty big hurdle to overcome. There was the first time we hit ad fatigue, that was a pretty big bump to overcome. There was I mean, like, and each each time provides an opportunity for learning. Uh, so like the biggest thing that has to happen for someone who's trying to um, put something out into the world as far as a vision goes is, is some sort of dedication to it, right? Some sort of dedication and some sort of a, um, ability to say that like, hey, maybe even though it's not working right now, I'm able to look at that and admit it and accept it. And this is really the, this is really the hardest part, right? That's if you can, point. if you can accept it, right? The faster you accept it, the faster you can do something about it. Right. So like what I've noticed is that like, ultimately this boils down to, well, you don't want to accept something's reality. Right. So even if you've made the decision to move on from your job and do this, well, you got to accept that that's reality. You just made that decision. And now you got to make this work, which means that like, if it doesn't work, you got to accept that it doesn't work and then alter it so that it does work. I mean, over time, you see what has to happen. And I think probably the biggest, the biggest challenge really is, is to overcome your own self-sabotage in this, your own, like, well, I, I got to be doing this or I got to be doing that, Right. And so like for this particular business, we created a vision where it's not supposed to be me. This thing's supposed to be an organization that lives in space that like theoretically, if I stepped out of everything is there that it just keeps running and it just keeps going and it keeps doing what it's doing. So that's how I'm building it. And that's what I'm dedicated to. And that's what I'm focused on. And then that means that sometimes I don't move the football and I'm not supposed to move the football. So there are days that like, you know, maybe I'm just walking around in the park and getting some exercise and taking care of myself. And then there are days when, um, you know, the, 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 the payroll didn't go through because the ACH transfer hit a fraud alert and some blah, 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 blah. And now I'm dealing with the banks and nonsense. Right. 
it just is what it is. Right. And then having that flexibility too to say, well, I mean, I got to get this to work. People got to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think these days there's been a, um, that exactly the attitude you just um, put out there, by the way, thank you for just being so real and authentic about it. Because I think um, there's a lot of people that get stuck at that point, you know, of not being able to accept. I think there's right now in the world, the last almost year now, people are not accepting, but no, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And just getting stuck rather than, okay, let's just keep moving forward. And, you know, and, and the biggest advertisement for accepting really is this, is that if you're not accepting, then what are you doing? You're denying. Well, if you're denying, you're in denial, which is the first stage of grief. So like, if you don't accept it, then you get to experience the grief over it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, hear that people, that's a, that, that's a pretty, uh, pretty strong choice. Don't even always realize you're making. Um, well, is there any last thoughts? That was a pretty strong thought right there. Is there any last bits that you uh, think we should hear or parents should hear right now before we ask you where to find you and all that good stuff? Um, well, it's hard for me to think of anything at this point, but I'm always happy to answer questions. So like, if you want to do something later where we, where we garner questions from parents, I love to, you know, answer questions. I'm a parent myself. So like, I'm happy to connect with parents and talk with parents and try to help however I can. I mean, it's been an incredible journey over the last four years. I've gone from being an expert in mathematics, being an expert in programming computers, running a, running a previous business, which was a contract software engineering firm to now um, becoming an expert in child education and math education. Um, and so, I mean, there's just, there's just so much that I'm happy to offer and I'm happy to answer questions on anything. So, yeah. And by the way, if you want to find you. out might, more, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> we might take you, I just going to say, we, we, are, we might take you up on that. I'm always, you know, I have all these ideas up in my head about creating something, getting people together and having some questions answered and whether it's a, a live or something, or we do something else. That's, I Thanks for putting it out there. Cause I definitely, We'll put you on the list and figure out what we can create because I'm sure people have tons of questions for you. And yes, tell us where people can find you and how we can support you in your world. Absolutely. Yeah. So like you can, you can find out everything about elephant learning at elephantlearning.com. If you Google elephant learning, you'll find it. Sometimes if you Google elephant math, you'll find it too. We actually got elephantmath.com. So if you go to elephant math, you'll find us too. But um, that's mainly it. If you go to the website, everything starts there. Great. And we'll, we'll definitely put links down in, in the uh, description of the podcast. So you guys can grab that there. And uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you before I, I forget um, on the uh, Apple app store, at least um, there is elephant learning in two places. There's one app and then there's another one that's called Skittos or something. Is that, is that you guys or no, no, I don't okay. know. We only I have just the one app. Sure yeah okay. <laughs> someone we, has almost the same elephant so that's probably yeah they're trying to do something you know how it is i do we <laughs> had the same thing with the podcast somebody like <laughs> a year later had the same logo slightly different name i'm like come on you know it happens i guess that's what do they say that's the highest form of batter highest form of flattery is you know 
yeah, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, good to know that if people are looking that it's really the elephant learning that and that's really clear. And, uh, and you get all the information on the website. I have to say, you guys, it's super affordable. I was happily surprised. And it's good to know if somebody really has a struggle that there are some scholarships out there during this period of time. And, you know, and maybe we're going to get this lovely gentleman on uh, alive and you guys can ask some real questions from your life. And, uh, you know, we can all learn together. So thank you so much, you know, for your time, Aditya. I'm really thankful for uh, the conversation. I never know exactly where it's gonna land. So I appreciate all the directions you were willing to go to help us explore math and um, creating. I'm always happy to help. And just by the way, uh, when, you, when you get to the website, some people ask, it's not per student, that's for your entire family. What we found was that uh, parents would just bring in their older students that were struggling. And it was the younger students who like have that chance to get ahead and never have math anxiety. So we just said, you know what, let's open it up to the entire family so that everyone can benefit. Ah, oh, fantastic. Thank you for putting that out there. Cause yeah, you never know. Sometimes you see a number and you start adding up your kids and you know, immediately just sign off without really fully reading. So that's, that's vital. Don't forget that guy, <laughs> super important. Thank you. Well, all right, we'll say goodbye and have a good day. <laughs> Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to our Very Imperfect Parenting Podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IP parents. You can also write me at ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. If you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast, that helps us a lot. As well, we have Patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day. Thank you so much for being out there.